Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, and a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping people live in freedom because life's too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. You can find me online and on social media. Just Google my name. And I do want to say, if you are looking for a perfect polished podcast, this one's probably not for you. We might stumble on our words. We might forget what we're going to say. And we might have a few internet technological, technological issues. But if you're looking just to connect with some women who are walking with Jesus and who want to encourage you to do the same, then we hope you'll join us. Today, I am thrilled to have international speaker and best-selling author, Carol Kent, joining us. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you, Jennifer? I am great. Thank you so much for being here with us. Well, it's an honor to be with you. So, Carol Kent has been featured at Women of Faith, Extraordinary Women, and Women of Joy Arena event. She and her husband, Gene, they founded the nonprofit organization Speak Up for Hope, which benefits inmates and their families. And as she shares her story today, you will understand why she has such a passion for that demographic. She's the author of over 25 books, including the best selling When I Lay My Isaac Down Becoming a Woman of Influence and the devotional, He Holds My Hand. She's also the executive director of the Speak Up Conference, a ministry committed to helping Christians develop their speaking and writing skills. And that's where we met, actually. Yes, it is. Yes. yes. We love having you on our faculty, Jennifer. Thank you. Oh, it was such a great event, such a beautiful event. Well, today we're continuing our Faith Over Fear series, and we're addressing a topic I'm pretty confident in saying every listener, every person struggles with, And that's fear of losing control. If you're anything like me, the more life feels out of control, the more you try to retain it. But the more we fight for control, the more self-reliance rises up within. And that's such a dangerous place to be. And when we choose faith over fear and we surrender, we choose surrender over control, God's power is unleashed within us. And so Today, Carol is going to be expanding on this truth, and she's going to be sharing her journey of ever-deepening surrender, and we're going to be discussing some of the lies that fuels this fear and really fuels our fear of losing control and the truths that can expel those and how we can all take steps towards increased freedom. And I got to tell you, Carol, I fight for control in a lot of areas, but the most prevalent involve my, my daughter. Absolutely. Yes. Our children hit us right in the heart and we struggle. Right. And I know, and that's why I'm so excited to hear your journey because I got to tell you, I have listened to your story in different, I've, I've watched a couple of your YouTube videos and I've heard your story in, in bits and pieces. And as a mom, I... I cannot imagine. And so I'm really anxious to hear your struggles and how God really brought you through that. Uh, 
I certainly had a wonderful upbringing in a Christian home, uh, married right after college. And five years later, I gave birth to Jason Paul Kent. And he is our only child. And he had a little twinkle in his eye. And he was really a joy to raise. He came to know Jesus at a very early age. And uh, when he uh, grew up, he wanted to do something that mattered with his life. And he said, I really believe God wants me to serve in military and maybe even in political leadership. And I believe the best place I could get equipped to do that would be at the United States Naval Academy. And he finally received the appointment to Annapolis. And we were there on graduation day when all those midshipmen tossed those hats in the air. And we celebrated our son's accomplishments. And from there, he went to uh, Orlando, where he was in uh, nuclear engineering school, joined a great church, and met a girl. (laughs) Now, that actually, my daughter is currently engaged, so I can understand (laughs) all the emotions and excitement and the learning and the growing and relationship building that... Sure. Well, you know, everything's ha- everything happens and changes once you meet a girl, and he's <laughs> naturally in love. And uh, I remember calling home for messages when I was in Denver speaking, and on voicemail, he said, Mom and Dad, some things are coming down. We have to talk. You wish <laughs> your child would add two or three more sentences about what is coming down. Oh, my goodness. We got a hold of him. He said his orders had changed. He was going to go to surface warfare officer school. And he and April were in love, and they wanted to get married next Friday. Oh. Our son was asking to marry a previously married woman with two children next Friday. And uh, I was a little concerned, and I, I just wanted to know this woman. We asked them if they would be willing to wait for the accountability of family and friends to be with them. Mm-hmm. And so they could wait three weeks. And a, a week and a half later, they came to our home, and we met April and the girls. And uh, little Chelsea was six years old. Little Hannah was just three years old. I loved the three of them almost instantly. There were multiple allegations of abuse involving their biological father, and uh, we were just uh, realizing that God had spared them from some very difficult, fearful times. We're talking about fear today, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had a beautiful wedding on a picture-perfect day, and we were looking forward to seeing this young family thrive. Well, during that year, we noticed that Jason's calls were filled with anxiety about the biological father of the girls. He only had supervised visitation, and it appeared that he had been very well behaved during supervision, and a judge was about to get unsupervised visitation. Well, Jason's first military assignment outside of the continental USA was going to be Hawaii. That would mean six-week visits in the summer with their father, and Jason was afraid for their their well-being and feeling at that time oh i we felt anxious that would be a good word to put it we we were filled with lots of prayer and we felt anxious but one year into their marriage we got a middle of the night phone call that turned our world upside down I, I just still remember seeing Gene pick up the receiver at 12.35 a.m. He had a look of shock and horror on his, his face. And when I saw him pull the receiver away from his ear, he said, Carol, Jason has just been arrested for the murder of his wife's first husband. He's in the wow. jail in Orlando. Wow. Wow. 
we we absolutely went into a tailspin. Well, I wanted to kind of pause for a minute here because we are talking about fear of losing control, right? Yes, yes. And I imagine that was exactly where your son was. Oh, yes. Because and me too, because right. I'm a firstborn of six preachers' kids, and Jennifer, that makes me bossy. That means I was <laughs> being a problem solver. I was used to handling things or at least giving good advice about how we could have a positive result. And suddenly I found nausea sweeping over me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my legs wouldn't hold my weight. I literally dragged myself into my office, still on the floor. I grabbed the phone, got a number for the Orlando jail. And when I asked about my boy, a rude voice on the other end of the line said, lady, we ain't got nobody by that name. Jason can't in here. Lady, your son ain't here. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer, for just a moment, my hopes returned. But as hour followed hour, the facts of the case were confirmed. Our son had pulled a trigger in a public parking lot and a man had died. And we began our journey to what we call our new kind of normal. We went through two and a half years and seven postponements of the trial before he was eventually convicted of first-degree murder and uh, sentenced to life without the possibility of parole in the state of Florida. And uh, this month, we are about to cross our 20-year mark of our son's incarceration. So this is really an anniversary for us of talking about how hard it has been, but also in the middle of our fear, how good mm-hmm. God is and that his sustaining power over two decades of me trying to grab a hold of all of the control mm-hmm. I could have mm-hmm. over this horrific situation for both the family of the deceased and for our right. family. Oh, you know, sure. there comes a point that you need to learn how to relinquish what you love most to the God who loves your child more than you do. Right. So really, this is what's really interesting to me hearing your story. It's almost like a juxtaposition, right? Because we can see fear of loss of control. Oh, yeah. Especially to those things that are so connected to our hearts, the damage that can cause. Because your son probably just felt so panicked. Oh, extremely panicked. And fresh from military training, uh, training and how to protect innocence. Mm. And I see the enemy as so conniving as he began to work on his mind mm-hmm. and the fact that he needed to protect his own children. And if Jason could be on this podcast today, mm-hmm. he would say, I began to make an idol out of my own ability to protect mm-hmm. my children instead of entrusting in God to be their protector, instead of teaching them to dial 911 and scream and yell and run. And I was wrong, and I am paying a severe price for it. Absolutely. And so often that's what happens when we, when we hold tight to control. We're really elevating ourselves, right? Our power right. and our wisdom and our strength above creator God's power, wisdom, and strength. We may not recognize it in the moment. You're so right. Because I think sometimes we figure God gave us a mind. We, we can do some things on our own and we need to take control here. Mm-hmm. And when you've been used to doing that, in my case, as a ministry leader, as a, a preacher's kid who had a lot of leadership roles in the church in my growing up years because my dad pastored small churches where they didn't have big staffs. So I I wound up juggling a lot of different responsibilities and roles. And I was used to that control and taking charge. Mm -hmm. And I think a part of that underlying fear 
is that we don't want to disappoint people. And there, there is a pride thing in there because we don't want people to think less of us mm -hmm. than they did before our crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, we want them to think of us as good parents who mm -hmm. are training our children to serve God and others well mm -hmm. and to love people. And, and so suddenly we ask ourselves the question, what did I do wrong that I could have stopped? Mm -hmm. uh, how could I have kept this thing from happening? And then we start to question the goodness of God. God knew my son's heart. Why didn't he give him a flat tire before he got to that parking mm -hmm. lot? Mm -hmm. And uh, we can make a mess of things if we let our brains go nuts on all of the possibilities and the what ifs. Yeah. And you know, you bring up a good, a good point here. So I lead my church's single mom's ministry and we're working through Jenny Allen stuck. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of that. And, and we were on the episode or the week on mad and so often anger has an underlying either fear or sorrow, grief. Yes. And you're talking about that. And one of the moms, she said, well, but sometimes our fears do happen. Mm -hmm. And then what? And I think that is what a lot of times as believers we struggle with. Well, what if the worst happens? Right. And I think for me, I needed to come to grips with the lie attached to my fear and it really had to do with uh, God can't use me if my family isn't perfect. And uh, that really stuck because our full-time income was from ministry. Mm. And if my husband had left his job in the insurance industry a year before our son's arrest wow. because of the demands of ministry, and he said, Carol... I really see God at work at what you're doing and I know you need help and it's time for me to get on board. So if I wasn't speaking, if I wasn't writing books, if Jean wasn't wow. handling the wow. ministry and all of the arrangements connected with travel and ordering and shipping books and, and taking mm -hmm. care of the accounting and talking to meeting planners, we had no income not only for a house payment and groceries, but to pay for a very expensive defense for our oh son. Right. So my, my fear of losing control of all of that was overwhelming. Right. And I, I just thought, Lord, you know, my family is so far from perfect. And I could hardly put the words through my mouth. I am now the mother of a murderer. And I thought, who would ever want me to stand on their platform and say, God is faithful and God will protect your children from the making wrong choices if you train them in the knowledge of the Lord. And so the enemy was playing all kinds of tricks on me, things like uh, taunting me with, if you had been a better mother, this would not have happened. Mm -hmm. And then he attacked uh, my my role with the Lord. If you had read your Bible more consistently, if you had prayed more fervently, this would not have happened. And then he had attacked my controlling firstborn issues. If you had been less busy, you could have handled this before Jason ever got this far by talking to him and helping him to understand what he was going through and the fears and how he could resolve those in a positive biblical way. So the enemy plays a huge part in making us feel inadequate and uh, then we have the fear that we'll never get unstuck or out of this horrific situation. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can hear as I'm listening to you talk so many core needs 
mm-hmm. that were touched on as well. The need for security. Yes. And then the lie, I am my provider. Right. Right. The, oh, absolutely. The, mm-hmm, and the need for belonging or acceptance. Yes, because as a Christian public speaker, uh, I often didn't think of myself as needing approval. I saw myself as being a Bible teacher and encourager and someone who shared the gospel. And so in in my heart, I was doing that to glorify God. But suddenly I realized the embarrassment and uh, just the loss of reputation of now being the mother of someone who had committed a heinous crime and wondering with that fear in my heart, could I ever serve the Lord the way I had in the past? Mm-hmm. Uh, would people believe me? Mm-hmm. And uh, would I ever be looked at as someone who could say, this is what the Bible says, and you can bank on it to be truth. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, sometimes I can do this as well. Like when when it's a little bit of a different example, but it ties in. If somebody, if I'm praying for someone, and maybe if they're a non-believer or they're a new believer, and in my mind I'm thinking, I really want to pray boldly here, but what if God doesn't come through? Yes, yes. And then I've got, I have got to carry his reputation, or yes. I have to be I his pray boldly and with authority, and we don't get the result we want. Uh, that's going to make me look bad. It's going to make me look like an ineffective Christian leader. And uh, that could cause a loss of reputation. I think that's a huge thing for us because we want to pray boldly. But here's what I am learning. And I think uh, prayer has so much to do with turning our fear into faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we forget that we try often to pray the answers to what we want the result to be rather than saying, Lord, have mercy, thy will be done. Lord, I give to you my fear. I give to you what I cannot control. And I ask that if you do not deliver me from this firestorm of fear, Lord, please walk with me in the middle of the firestorm, and I will still give you glory. Right. And I think you touched on too, when you say, thy will be done, that's recognizing we don't have all the answers. No, we don't. And God sometimes, because he can see the end from the beginning, realizes uh, that what we can't see is that he has a different result Mm -hmm. that will wind up blessing our family members. Mm -hmm. It'll bless Mm -hmm. us. It will bless those we minister Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. and further his kingdom agenda in a better way than the way we prayed for a result that didn't fit with his plan. Right. And I I can see, so I spend a lot of time with moms of littles and there is such a, a guilt today. And that's only made worse by social media and expectations and everything is heightened. And there's this, this idea. And you mentioned it when you were talking about like, if I didn't raise this perfect child, how can I, teach on raise your child in the ways of the Lord. And what if God wants moms to see a godly mom who did everything she knew to do, who was doing her best to walk with Christ and whose child still ended up in a place that she could have never dreamt of. So that those moms, like we are talking about how we would never expect 
perfection, whether it's perfect results or perfect behavior in any other arena of life, right? Yes. yes. Except parenting. Exactly. And I remember I had taught a Bible study fellowship class and a woman who had been in my class said to me after hearing about Jason's arrest for murder, she said, Carol, I used to think you were perfect, but now I think we could be friends. Wow. And I think when we allow our fears to be exposed by talking about them and being honest about our journey and allowing people to ask questions and to see inside our hearts where we're struggling, that suddenly it opens them to share their fears and their losses. And we wind up having not only a richer friendship, Mm-hmm. but a ritual ministry because we share at a heart level that goes so far beyond the surface where we're trying to look good. We're trying not to disappoint people. We're trying to control mm-hmm. outcomes as we've been talking about. Suddenly there's a richness of, of being open and vulnerable. And uh, one of the things I've learned is that I have been able to minister so much more effectively by allowing people to know the pain, to know the fear, to know the hurt. Mm-hmm. I wonder too, what is, has your view of heaven or your anticipation of heaven changed because of this experience? Without a doubt, absolutely. Capital letters, yes, with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of our son. He's living for the Lord in a very unlikely place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call him my missionary on the inside of mm-hmm. prison walls. And through the nonprofit organization we established, Speak Up, hope. Uh, We now are able to supply Jason with Bible study books, with Mm. even a fan for his dormitory where there's no air conditioning, where it's over 100 degrees in the summer with 70 men sharing the same space. And and, uh, he says, mom and dad, I, I really know that God is allowing me to use my Christianity, my education, and my leadership to mentor and encourage other men through teaching Bible classes. Uh, he's been president of Toastmasters on the inside. They call it Gavel Club, teaching men how to communicate. And since I teach the Speak Up Conference, I figure he's a chip off the old block, but he's doing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I praise God that uh, even in the middle of desolate, fearful circumstances where he still lives in a maximum security Mm. prison where I don't have control over the potential harm there, I can honestly say I praise God for the ministry that is being done in and outside that prison because God never wastes what we're going through. Absolutely. You know, that kind of speaks to our our fear of control as well. If you're thinking of the person who... Maybe they're thinking, okay, if I don't control my career, or if I don't control my education, if I don't follow step A, B, and C, I am not going to get to D. And yet, because I know, I know your son is very well educated. Yes. And he was setting himself up for ministry. Yes. I mean, he was he was following the proper steps to to become part of ministry. Well, he was going to serve in the military, but mm-hmm. use his Christianity in those right. leadership roles. Right. And so it probably felt like a major derailment that here oh, he yes. is in, in prison. And yet, you know, I, w- I was, I often remember, like, sometimes I think that we think our calling is this external defined role. We get our, ourselves confused that our role is our calling and our roles shift. Yes, they do. In life. 
And, and, and obviously, I mean, it was not God's will, obviously that your son committed murder, but, but God can redeem any situation and use it for his glory. And really our, our purpose, our calling is to know God and make him known. Yes, it is. And we can do that. Our circumstances. Right. That you were talking about how my view of heaven may have changed. And I think Jason has taught me once again, even though he's so much younger than I am, Mm -hmm. that uh, life is so short. He has Mm -hmm. a real understanding of the brevity of life. And he said, mom, even if in this lifetime, I am not allowed to walk in freedom, one day we will all be free and we will walk in freedom. And so he has just reminded me repeatedly that this is a season. Life is the season. Mm-hmm. We age, we, we do what we can while we're here and have life and breath for the glory of God. And eventually it is over and we are at home with him. So let's take those most fearful things we face, the most controlling parts of uh, the bad places in our lives where we wanted to say, I want to fix this. I want to make it all better. And just say, Lord, in my brokenness, will you take this in the middle of my fear? Will you make something beautiful out of this? Because I can't do that. And I, I just give to you what looks like a big mess, but I trust you to make something good of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I see a lot in your story too? I see in some ways Paul's story. So meaning how, I mean, he experienced so many shifts of plans and like he wanted to go to Asia and God's like, no, you're not going to Asia. And then here he, he he's in a prison cell and so he's not leading the churches that he thought he was going to lead. But one thing that struck me when I read through some of his letters and, and through Acts and just everything, his journey that he went through, he had this idea that, well, so long as Christ is preached, yes. then what does it matter? And I think yeah. that focus mm-hmm. allowed him to relinquish his plans yes. and just follow God. He was like, yeah, so I'm not going there. Okay. God's preached here. Okay, well, I'm in prison. Okay, so I'm going to preach him here. And and in many ways, so your son's in prison. He said, okay, I'm going to preach him here. Yes, for sure. And I see it again and again. And uh, we get letters from inmates and they'll say, your son led me to Jesus. Wow. Uh, I spoke in another prison in Florida and a man came up to me, an inmate. He said, I was at the prison where your son was. And at that time I was in a cult. And Jason shared Jesus with me. And it wasn't until I moved to this prison where I heard the gospel again, and I am now a believer. Will you thank Jason for being the first person who introduced me to Jesus? Because I know him personally now. And those kinds of testimonials remind me that I can choose not to fear. That instead of practicing denial... Or uh, instead of practicing this whole idea of compartmentalizing my fears just so I can make it through another day, I can say, Lord, you can turn all of this Mm -hmm. devastation to good. And I choose faith today. I will not be conquered by my fear. Right. And you actually, so for those of you not familiar with that verse, you just referenced a very powerful verse, Romans eight twenty eight, that says God will turn all things to good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Outside of that truth, what is one more just really core truth that has carried you through this experience? 
Well, the, the core truth is that God is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And I know that to the core of my being. And that means he's in charge. He is sovereign. Nothing can touch me without his permission. Mm-hmm. And so I am going to rest in the fact that even if I can't see a positive out- outcome in this lifetime, I know he is with me. And I love the scripture from Psalm 34, 18, Jennifer. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I have clung to Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. So I have to make the decision every day to say, Lord, today I cling to you. Today I will relinquish control and I will choose faith. I love that. So really, you're right. It is a day by day, moment by moment choice. And I think we have to remind ourselves of those those truths that God loves us. He's faithful. He's attentive. He's, he's sovereign. He has the power to redeem and to restore. And when we remind ourselves of those truths, we can find the courage to move forward. And that's when we experience, as we surrender to him, that's when we experience his power. Well, you'll want to make sure to check out Carol has some really great resources. One is When I Lay My Isaac Down. We mentioned that before. And she that's from NAB Press. And she shares, you share in that the journey in more I, detail. Yes, that it takes you on the journey from Jason's arrest through the trial. And then there's an added chapter on perseverance nice. because we all need to hold on when things don't change overnight after we pray for what we want. Right. That's beautiful. And then she also has a devotional that would would really encourage you day by day just to walk these truths out, to cling to truth. And that's He Holds My Hand, and that's released by Tyndale Publishers. Make sure to connect with Carol. You can find her on Facebook, author Carol Kent, and that's K-E-N-T, Kent. And then you can find her website, www.carolkent.org. You can find her ministry and some great resources there at speakupforhope.org. And I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I would love it if you would rate it and make sure to share it. And I would also encourage you to subscribe. We've got some great content coming up. And I hope you enjoyed your time with Carol and I. Carol, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute delight. God bless you. Thank you. And I encourage you to to go in faith, go in courage, go in impact, because like I said, life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live in fear. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. 
Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.